With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone, welcome to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast here on a Thursday. Dan Lobby alongside Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay is at the Super Bowl as we've talked all week. You're going to hear some background noise. She's actually at uh, one of the team hotels right now awaiting availability. So um, you'll hear some background noise as we go along. Sorry about that. It is what it is, Mary Kay. This is life covering the Super Bowl. So kind of get us up to speed. What's happened today? Well, first of all, um, today... I published a, uh, a story on Frank Clark, and that story uh, is about how he played at Glenville High. It's really kind of an interesting story. He, uh, he played for Ted Ginn at Glenville, and the reason why he ended up at Glenville is because uh, his father, who played at John Adams, sent for him uh, in California, where he was really living a very rough, rough life in a, a very, like the worst part of South Central Los Angeles. Uh, his mom was addicted to uh, crack. He, you know, he learned how to cook crack by the time he was eight years old. He was at times homeless. Uh, it, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty compelling story. So his father brought him to Cleveland, uh, put him in, you know, he started out at John Marshall and then he ended up in, um, in the Ginn Academy and, um, and Ted Ginn, you know, worked his magic with him and really helped him out a lot, got him on the right track. And, and it's, it's a really interesting story. Then his father, uh, perished in a house fire in 2018, along with, uh, three other relatives. So the, the story's got a lot of heartache and tragedy in it. Uh, and it's really about him, you know, getting into some trouble, trying to overcome, tragedy, trying to overcome uh, things in his life that, that he had to deal with. And um, I talked to Ted Ginn, who is also coming out here to the Super Bowl. Um, I talked to Ted Ginn about him. And, um, and, and that was, you know, it was really interesting to hear the things that he had to say, you know, just about how he had to talk him into playing defensive end. He did not want to play defensive end. He only wanted to play um you know, wide receiver, quarterback. Uh, so anyways, if you get a chance, if anybody gets a chance, you know, give it a read. It, it was, you know, it was kind of a cool story. Spent some time talking to uh, Frank on opening night and then um, and then Ted Ginn on the phone. As I mentioned, he's coming out here. Um, those two have 
kind of stayed in touch. They go off and on. Um, but, you know, it, it's the story, you know, ha- has a lot to do with how he feels that the, the academy and Glenville and Cleveland really shaped who he is as a player and a person. Yeah, so it's interesting, uh, all the uh, the local ties. Um, we talked about that the other day, of course, Frank Clark being one of them. Anybody who has covered high school football in the area knows about Ted Ginn and, and what he's done and, and the great teams he's had at Glenville and, and the, the players that have gone into the pros. So that story is at cleveland.com slash Browns. As we're recording this, you can go find that um, right now to read about Frank Clark. And Ashley, we haven't had you on yet to really talk much about your uh, Kelsey brothers story that went up on Monday morning. Um, again, more local ties here uh, with, with this Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I think the Kelsey brothers are obviously in general, one of the bigger storylines of this Super Bowl because it's the first time two brothers on the field have played on opposing teams against one another, obviously coming on the heels like 10 years later from the Harbaugh's coaching against one another in a Super Bowl. Um, But basically it kind of set out because these are two guys who have stayed really involved with Cleveland and obviously mentioned from being being from Cleveland Heights all the time. Of course, their podcast is named New Heights, which is a reference to where they're from. Um, And I kind of went with the angle of talking to people who coached them before anyone really knew what they were going to be. And it's especially interesting to remember back then, like neither of them, they both essentially, I think it's fair to say, changed the positions that they play. Like without Jason Kelsey playing center, I don't think we maybe see as athletic of centers that we have now where these guys are pulling and doing all that they're doing. And Travis Kelsey is of course like the best pass catching tight end ever. Travis Kelsey was a quarterback and Jason Kelsey played all over the field, except for like on the line. Like he was a long snapper. He was a running back. um, He was a linebacker. He did all these things, but um, it was a combination of finding out, you know, those interesting anecdotes and just kind of finding out like how involved they stay with Cleveland Heights. I mean, I think everyone in the area knows like how much money and time they've they've spent giving back in this area and how, you know, I had coaches tell me they've been instrumental in Cleveland Heights teams getting gear and uniforms and all those sorts of things. So um, it was just really cool. And in a kind of coincidental thing, there is a Browns connection here because two of their Former coaches, Damian Creel, who's now the head coach at Lorraine, and Kahari Hicks, who is the offensive coordinator at Cleveland Heights and had the same role when the boys were in school. Um, they're actually going to the Super Bowl, but because of the Browns, they're the Browns changemaker award winners with Cleveland Heights head coach Max Stevens because that group started the Build the Bridge initiative that Browns, you know, the Browns have dealt a lot with and these high school teams. And the goal is to bring a racially and socioeconomically diverse group of high school teams together so that these kids can kind of get familiar with backgrounds they don't, you know, know anything about. But they've been knowing they were going since December. So it's kind of crazy that two of their former players are now also playing in the game. So kind of a cool angle there as well. Okay, so Mary Kay, we've mentioned a few storylines here. You're in... Arizona, what are you picking up on as like the big storyline this week? What, what what do you think people are really kind of talking about or, or kind of latching on to as a big storyline for this week? Well, I, I don't know uh, necessarily, uh, you know, about that yet because because there really isn't one when you get past, uh, you know, the, the the Kelsey brothers really and 
I went to Roger Goodell's press conference today. And of course, Donna Kelsey was there front and center. Uh, she got to ask a question. She asked the commissioner, uh, you know, how do we get you on the new heights podcast? And he said, all you have to do is ask I'm in. Uh, so, you know, she, she was there. She's been, uh, you know, a huge hit this whole entire week with the uh, chocolate chip cookies and just kind of being everywhere with the dual Jersey on. Um, but th- then the other thing that happened, uh, there was a press conference after that, that I did not attend. Uh, I left to go work on my v- Frank Clark story and DeMar Hamlin shows up at the NFLPA press conference. <laughs> so I would have gone to that had I known that he was going to be there because that's obviously uh, a huge story. Uh, you know, the fact that he survived and that he's here and he's doing well and you can, I could have seen him in the flesh, but I, uh, I couldn't be everywhere at, at, at that moment. So I, I did miss that, but uh, that was kind of a big deal today. And then Roger talked about a lot of different issues, including the fact that they love the pro bowl. They love the pro bowl games. So my idea of just canceling the, the pro bowl games, it's not going to happen. 52,000 fans went to Las Vegas and spent money having to do with the Pro Bowl games. Can you even believe that? But that happened. And and Roger Goodell was kind of, you know, kidding around a little bit about how, you know, everything in Vegas is big. The Super Bowl will be in Vegas next year. And he he's basically saying that, you know, you just can't find a, you know, a bigger venue in terms of just lights and action, camera, everything going on there. Um, so it, it will be quite the Super Bowl next year, but also uh, Miles could possibly dislocate another toe next year. Well, that's why the Browns have to, to make the Super Bowl, so that Miles doesn't have to participate uh, in the Pro Bowl. They can try and keep him, uh, keep him healthy for that. So if you haven't picked up quite on maybe what the storylines are just yet, I mean, what... What do you think that, I mean, what are you really kind of keeping an eye on from, you know, beyond the the local angles? Like what, like going into this game, what are you most interested in? Well, I'm always interested in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is just, you know, the, the, the be all and end all right now, I think at quarterback, he's just phenomenal. And, you know, this quarter, this Super Bowl has the first two black quarterbacks playing against each other. That's a huge storyline, by the way. Um, and you know, that, that's just an, a, a momentous and amazing historic occasion. And, um, you know, so there, you know, there is a, a lot of that, you know, how does Deshaun stack up? You know, what, what can the Browns do with Deshaun to make sure that he gets here and he's one of these guys. Um, so, you know, that's another thing to kind of, uh, take a look at and, and to understand that, uh, you know, there's something pretty cool going on here. Ashley, Mary Kay and I talked a lot about um, Patrick Mahomes and the Hey Mary Kay podcast from Monday, I think it was. And this is such an interesting game for him. Like, maybe not like his legacy game, but like this sort of can set up his legacy. I think that's really interesting. If If we come out of, if Monday morning we're talking about Patrick Mahomes has now won two Super Bowls, uh, he's been to three of them, the AFC Championship is in Arrowhead every year. It just really sets up this kind of incredible chase for him to, you know, see how just see just how close he can get to Tom Brady. Yeah. And think about 
a couple months ago or a couple, you know, a handful of weeks ago, I guess I should say, time has no meaning anymore. But, you know, when they're getting ready to play the Bengals again and what the narrative was that, oh, Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs can't beat Joe Burrow in the Bengals. And then they obviously go and do that and win that close game in the AFC championship. Um, so I think it just is kind of funny to show how the pendulum swings from we're like, oh, is he even the best quarterback like currently in the league right now? Can he beat Joe Burrow uh, in the AFC and consistently kind of have that edge to now it would become, you know, I think a huge, like you're saying, legacy definer if he wins his second Super Bowl and, you know, has now won two out of three. And, you know, I know when we've had these talks before, we always kind of bring in the NBA comparisons because the way players are talked about is very similar. Like I remember just the the conversations around LeBron James and very newsworthy given what he did last night. But, you know, back when he hadn't won a title in Cleveland and that was all anyone talked about. And now it the fact that he had to go to Miami to win one. And now I think when he did that, it changed the way people talk about him. You see that I think throughout sports, that one win in a championship game can kind of change a player's legacy or the trajectory that that legacy is headed, even though they're still playing. And um, I definitely think it's a much bigger deal to win your second Super Bowl, given like how the conversation around Patrick Mahomes was this year before they made it to the Super Bowl and won that AFC championship. How's this for a segue? We're talking about legacy. Uh, So... This is the last podcast we're going to record before NFL honors on Thursday night. And um, I will we're going to replay the Joe Thomas interview that Mary Kay did uh, last month. We're going to play that uh, for our Thursday podcast. So you'll get to hear that uh, before we find out what happens. Uh, Mary Kay, I don't think we can overstate like this moment here for the Browns, for Joe. I mean, for as bad as it's been, you know, going back to even before Joe came into the league, but even, you know, once Joe came into the league, this is, this is one of the biggest moments, certain, this is probably the biggest moment for the new Browns, but one of the biggest moments in Browns history on Thursday night, it's, it's kind of striking, like how important this really is. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, good for Joe. He's so deserving. It's so good for him. So good for the city, as you mentioned. It's it's a big, huge uh, moment in in Cleveland Browns history. This doesn't happen uh, very often in in terms of getting a, a player into the Hall of Fame. I mean, especially for the Cleveland Browns with all the losing that they've done over all of these years. I mean, these have been the lean times. So it's not like uh, you're going to have a number of guys coming off of, you know, the greatest show on turf and going into the into the Hall of Fame. As the Browns move forward, uh, you know, the hope is that some of the guys on this team will end up in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, Miles Garrett could end up in the Hall of Fame. There's talk that Joel Batonio could end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I think Amari Cooper, if he has a, a few more Pro Bowl seasons, can get in the pro, into the Hall of Fame conversation. But certainly in, in all of these really, really lean years from expansion time to now, uh, it's been, you know, really it was Phil Dawson and, and Joe Thomas were, were the best things going on the Cleveland Browns. So it is a big, huge historical moment uh, for the Browns. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a great week for the city of Cleveland. Yeah, Ashley, um, you know, we'll obviously spend – 
more time on Joe Thomas. We'll, we'll try and do that on, on Friday because we certainly want to give him his due. Um, you know, you didn't get to, to cover Joe. I only got to really cover the last couple of years of his career. But just, you know, when you think about Joe Thomas, what, what kind of what do you think of first? I mean, just that he was really the only stability, it felt like, that the Browns had for most of my, like, formative years of, you know, growing up and watching the team. Like, it became kind of a joke. I remember that if you're going to buy a Browns jersey, you might as well buy a Bernie Kosar jersey or a Joe Thomas jersey. Like, those are the two jerseys that are never going to go out of style instead of trying to go after, you know, the latest quarterback that was drafted and get their jersey. So, I mean, to me, he just is what I think of when I think of the guy who was my favorite player growing up watching the Browns. And it's just because of knowing, like, the level he was performing at, even though this team that he was on for so many years, like, he never got to play in a playoff game. He never got to win a Super Bowl. Like, I think everyone thinks he deserved. And, you know, it's just the loyalty always struck me. And especially when, you know, Mary Kay and I were at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards a couple weeks ago now, and Joe was hosting and talking about how, you know, towards the end of his career, Peyton Manning called him up and said, hey, I think we can win a Super Bowl here in Denver, but I need you as my left tackle. And you got to try to make something happen there. And Joe wouldn't leave. And they went on, of course, to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, I said at the time, like, it's funny, because I'm so glad he stayed and spent his whole career here. But it makes like me almost the the person, the fan who grew up watching him. Now, in hindsight, it almost makes me sad for him that he never got to experience that. But I think the loyalty is just such a part of his legacy on top of the high level he performed at individually, even when this team was struggling as much as it was. And Mary Kay, you're one of the one of the people that kind of got to see the arc of Joe's career. I know the Joe that I covered was a little different than the Joe, like when he first came into the league. Um, you know, he was sort of starting to transition to the end of his career. He was really becoming kind of that media darling in a lot of ways. Not, not that he was, you know, there were certainly, I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't that early in his career, but like he really started to embrace sort of who he was and, and kind of, you know, what we kind of knew him for um just the watching the arc of his career i mean what what was that like especially now that like here we are not to make us all feel old here but here we are joe thomas is about to go in the hall of fame yeah it's pretty darn incredible because i remember standing right there in front of him and apparently he says i was the one that asked him the question uh, that elicited in him saying, yeah, I want to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, it, that's kind of a funny memory to have. He, he remembers that moment a little bit better than I, I remember him saying it, uh, but I wasn't sure if I was the one that actually asked the question, but good for me. I guess I did. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he, when he uttered that, I thought, wow, that's something. I'll tell you what, you just do not hear that all the time. You don't hear somebody just with so much conviction say that they're going to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, I I, it hasn't happened a lot. Miles Garrett said it. Um, Miles Garrett has has said it. I don't know if he said it right away. He might have, though, because he said he wanted to be the best player of all time. So Miles came in talking a, a really, really big game. But Joe, it was it was a little different. It was just, you know, understated. It was humble. It was like, well, yeah, that's what I plan to do. And then we just watched him go out and do it. And, um, and he was just so good. He was so smooth. His technique was phenomenal. He wasn't the biggest guy, 
maybe not even the talented, most talented left tackle in the history of the NFL, but he was just so sound and so technique solid uh, that, you know, he's obviously one of the best ever. And, you know, I I actually thought he was so good that he could have been a stand-up sit-down guy. And in Hall of Fame vernacular, that is where you just stand up and you say the guy's name and you sit back down. Now, that that's not going to happen. Let me just say that's not part of either what will happen or what did happen. Um, but um, but he, um, you know, he almost rises to that level because that's how good he is. I mean, you can utter him in the same breath as you know, as a Brett Favre at his position or a Peyton Manning at his position. That's where he is. His credentials stack right up with the other six left tackles in the Hall of Fame. He he was phenomenal. And we all know that he was phenomenal off the field as well. He held that team together through the tough times. He was the spokesperson. He would talk to everyone at his locker ad nauseum. And you know, it was a it was a total joy to cover him. And if he gets into the Hall of Fame on Thursday night, it will have been my honor and my pleasure to help vote him in. Yeah, you know, and um, we we've got some Joe Joe stories coming. I, I had a chance to talk to Joel Joel Batonio on the phone. And speaking of him being skinnier, Mary Kay, him being smaller, one of the things Joel told me is like his first impression was Joe like just put tons of butter like on his bread when he had like his first <laughs> lunch with him and it was because he had to eat all these calories just to keep his weight up just tons of butter he said he thought it was a wisconsin thing maybe um but <laughs> j- you know just the time that joel that joe spent on his craft is really mm-hmm. you know i remember bob wiley when when he was here just talking about like and this was towards the end of joe's career you know talking about like he would watch joe go through these little technique things like the, the the most basic things just spend time just repping them over and over and over again. Um, and Joel told me a story about him doing some like drills with his eyes closed so he could feel things instead of just seeing them. Like mm-hmm. you realize what it takes to be a hall of famer, Ashley, like you've got to be, I mean, it, it should be special and it should be difficult and it should be the best of the best. And just hearing stories about Joe, you realize like, exactly what it takes to get to that level yeah and i mean even hearing like you kind of alluded to it with joel but i know i've heard wyatt teller talk about joel very similarly and jed wills talk about joel joe very similarly that it's like the details that you pick up on the smaller things he did because i think wyatt told me once like there are certain things physically that only joe thomas can do right and that's why he is as was as good as he was but like what makes him a hall of famer is you know, like the little anecdotes like that and the way he studied the game and prepared and had notebooks full for each opponent. Like that is, I think, what these guys on this team currently, when they talk to him, those are the kind of things they're looking to pick up because they even know like, hey, this guy physically was on another level in terms of his athleticness and how gifted he was. But those other things, you can pick up those Hall of Fame habits, so to speak, even if you can't be the same exact player physically. Okay, we are um, sort of up against it on this podcast time-wise. Like I said, Mary Kay is at the Super Bowl. She's currently at uh, Eagles availability, is either about to get started or has already started. Uh, but Mary Kay, is there anything you, you want to add here before before we wrap up? Did, did we miss anything? 
you know, I think that Joel is going to be out here. He's going to be here. Nick Chubb is going to be here. I hear Joe Thomas is coming out. So, you know, maybe I'll get an opportunity to run into some of those guys. And then I will be at the, uh, I'll be at the NFL honors show tomorrow night in the event that Joe gets in, I will be, um, you know, there to celebrate the moment, ask some questions of Joe to, you know, to congratulate him and, uh, and, and just be part of one of the, the, like you guys said, one of the greatest moments in Brown's history. Well, we're, we're on this video here, and I see this crowd starting to form behind Mary Kay. It's like this <laughs> zombie apocalypse is happening, so Mary Kay maybe yeah. needs to run away or something. But um, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Like I said, you'll be able to hear Joe Thomas's uh, interview that he did with Mary Kay. Uh, we're going to rerun that here on Thursday, and then we'll come back on Friday and do sort of our big Joe Thomas react. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a, hey, Joe got into the Hall of Fame, not a... How did Joe not get into the Hall of Fame podcast? But either way, we will do our big uh, Joe Thomas react on Friday. So just subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to both of you later.